I've had to do complete retakes. Really? Yeah. I'll keep this part in. I've had to do complete, like, I've done a whole episode. I've done it now um, three or four times. <laughs> now, like, I've done a whole, like, there was one episode I did for, I think, two hours, two and a half hours, and I had to completely redo the entire thing. Really? I had another one that I did. Um, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the reason why I had to redo it. So I ended up doing it with Joe Hubbard and it was in the beginning of my podcasting experience. My very first episode that I ever did with my brother, I did with my old, old 12 year old now. Yeah. 12 year old laptop. It was my Apple laptop and I hooked up the microphones to it. What's that? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, a dog. Uh, so I did it with my old Apple laptop, and I just plugged in my microphones because these are U- these are all just USB connections. Mm. These headphones are or these microphones are sorry. And <clears throat> excuse me. And so when I used that, I just used the program that is already on uh, Apple, which is their iMovie. So I used iMovie to do all that stuff. That was that was what took forever to figure out in the beginning because um, I don't know if you know this or not. You have an Apple, right? Yeah. So you have i do you have iMovie on your phone? I have no idea. No? Okay, so I just have Android. So um, for me, like if you had an iPad or something, you probably have iMovie on it, so you can make little skits and trailers and stuff like that. Um, I called Apple customer service to. Have, have them help me with the whole setting it up and getting um, it ready for recording podcasts because I saw that you can use it. And even the people that I was talking to on there were getting their answers from chat rooms. So, like, I remember asking them, they said they just know barely the basics of iMovie because each each you know program on your phone that's already built in has a team that works with it in customer service. I guess I guess that's how it works. I could be wrong, but they were getting into chat rooms and messaging people like average people like out there that just use iMovie. Like, hey, this is somebody having this, someone's having this issue. How do we resolve it? And then they just walk through the steps of whatever people are saying. So like he was, all right, let's try this out, see if this works. And I'm like sitting there. This this was a whole thing for months that I did. Like it took me five and a half months. I believe it was I believe it was five and a half months total for everything. Um, I think, but I spent three months setting up what getting my setup for the podcast. It took forever. Like it was just it was just a lot. Like I'm pretty sure it was three months, if I remember correctly. And um but then I started, um, after I did my first episode, I used an old computer that an ex, my ex-in-law gave me and I didn't have any software to record off of. So what I ended up doing was I just downloaded a free software, a free audio recording software to use for my first podcast on that computer, which is my second episode with Joe Hubbard. I recorded the entire episode. I never tested anything. I just downloaded it. I'm like, all right, this should work. Did the entire episode with him. And every single 15 seconds, you hear sample. No shit. Sample. Every 15 seconds throughout the entire thing. I'm like, oh, my God. 
because you hear us talking and then sample right over it. I'm like, I'm going to have to get rid of this. So I call Joe up. Hey, man. Uh, he's like, hey, how's the episode coming along? I'm like, bad news. We have to re-record the entire thing. He's like, all right, no problem. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. Like, he didn't carry it, didn't bother him at all. He was like, I'd be glad to redo it all. He's like, well, do you mind if I ask why? I mean, Joe and I have been friends for a long time. He's like, what would you do? Like, what would you mess up? And I told him, I was like, ah, the program that I used, I never tested it out. Should have tested it. But it's a sample all the time. And then I did another episode with somebody else. And um, I and I did the whole episode with them. It was about three hours long. And I sent him the finished product. Because I usually send, whenever I do an episode with somebody, I send it to them first. And I say, you tell me when to publish it. Like, you tell me if you're good with it. Because I want them to listen to it so that way they could say if it's good or not. And if they hear something in it, they're like, ah, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. Because I've had people like, Hey man, I shouldn't have said this in and I'm really sorry. Or, you know, this sounds pretty bad. I don't want to say it. And, or I don't want that in there. And I'm like, all right. So then I have to take it completely down and no one else sees it, but I take it completely down. I re edit it and then I re render and then I send it back onto YouTube and then it has to go through processing on YouTube. And none of this stuff is quick, it's time consuming. And it kind of sucks when it gets to that point. Cause what I always ask before everyone leaves or I text them at some point and I say, are you good with what you said? Because if they say, cause I've had people tell me like, uh, could you take out the part where I mention a lot about my family? Cause there's some people that just don't want their, like their family's business out there. Perfectly fine. I respect that. Um, I'm not here to make people look bad. I don't want someone to air dirty laundry. I've had people air dirty laundry on here and I'm just not a fan of it. Uh, it might be good for drama, but I, it puts me in a bad spot because if I'm, if I'm especially friends with someone that they're talking about, it's kind of different, but, um, yeah. So anyway, so I've had, I've done it. I did an episode and it's about three hours long. I sent it to the guy. He sent it to his lawyer. His lawyer said, absolutely not redo the entire thing. And then they contact me and they said, do not post this. And they sent me a whole letter thing that I had to sign. Not that I wouldn't post it. I'm like, Oh my God, is it that bad? Like, so got rid of that. And then he had to come back and re-record the entire thing. And that, that kind of sucked because there was so much good stuff in that episode that I had to recreate my reaction to him. So like when he would tell me something that he already told me in another, ep the same episode that we did together, just a few days prior, I had to pretend to be excited. Mm. And that's what sucked. Cause it was just like, I've already heard this, you know, and there's obviously some stuff that we couldn't talk about in it. Um, but it's just, there's, it just takes a lot. So anyways, let's get started. Alrighty. I just spent eight minutes talking about that. <clears throat> How crazy is that? It's a lot. It's a lot. All right. Um, can you move your mic down just a little bit? Move, move it at the head, at the uh, frame. There you go. Down, down, down. Yeah, there you go. Hold them both. I go down. Then bring your mic up just a teeny tiny bit. That's it right there. All right, cool. Well, today's guest, the astonished, the immaculate, the subpar <laughs> Ian Garrison. 
Ian, how you doing, bud? Good, man. How about you? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you're on. I've asked you a bunch of times to come on. Uh, it's taken you forever. You always gave me the excuse of, I've got kids. Oh, I love my family more than your, our friendship. <laughs> so you always gave me that excuse, which I know is a lie. I know that you love me more than your whole family. You say it all the time. You say it all the time. <laughs> Do I really though? <laughs> no. Um, no. So I've tried to get you on a couple times, but uh, getting kids, getting kids, babysitters and stuff like that. I get it's tough. Um, but I finally got a hold of your wife and said, uh, Ian needs to come on the podcast. And she's like, he does. And I'm like, okay, it's like somebody on my side right now. <laughs> so um, now I'm able to trap you down. The boss. Get you in here. Yeah. So by the way, your wife's great, dude. I love your wife. I know. I have, a, so, I have an amazing wife. She is pretty cool. She's fun to hang out with and talk to. And it's not that I've hung out with her on her own, but it's, it's just whenever I'm out with you, she's always just wants to talk. She's cool. She's pretty chill. And you have adorable kids. Dude, your youngest daughter, uh, Elaine. Elaine. I don't know her name. Only because I'm like, oh, he's such a cute little baby. <laughs> Dude, she is the prettiest baby I've ever seen she's in my awesome. life. She is so cute and she's chill. Like, you can just sit there and hold her. You can do whatever you want. You can just, like, you can hold her right here. You can hold her like this. You can hold her like everything. And she just doesn't complain, cry, or meh. It's just, she's awesome. We are blessed, man. Um, <clears throat> I'm blessed to have my wife. I've been married to her for, we got married in 2020. And, um, oh, you, I wasn't. <laughs> there I she is. I wasn't invited to the wedding. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm married. <laughs> That's weird. By the way, you were invited to the wedding. Uh, no. Just for, uh, just for podcast sake, um, <laughs> My wife and I got married in the uh, the heat of COVID, and uh, at yeah. one point we could only have uh, twenty five people at our wedding. It's with these cameras when they unfocus. You're supposed to put your hand right in front of the camera and then back Bring it up, back. and it tracks your hand and then it tracks your face. Um, Sorry about that. No, that's all good. Uh, we got married in the heat of COVID, and um, at one point they they told us that we were going to have to cancel and push it back, and that's not something that we wanted to do. And um, I mean, this is back when you know everybody knows that COVID is bullshit. But, uh, What's that? Everybody knows that COVID is bullshit. But uh, oh, COVID. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, COVID was stupid. But this was back when nobody knew what was going on, and. Um, you know, things were changing daily. It almost seemed like sometimes, it, like especially at our department that we work at, it was changing almost hourly. It seemed like it really was. But uh, <clears throat> so that's why you know I had to make some cuts, and uh, unfortunately, you uh, you didn't make the cut. <laughs> I was cut pretty early on. I was told <laughs> out of you had five hundred people on the list. I was number. <laughs> 500 that was good. <laughs> you were number 501. <laughs> well, obviously, we can't invite Matt. I had <laughs> obviously, we all know that. No, we, we can't. We have we have plenty of room. No, 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 no. no. no he, takes up, he takes up two. We're gonna have to cut His him. Fat ass takes up two seats. <laughs> Everybody, even my groomsmen, were like, Please, let's invite Matt. Please, <laughs> we won't go unless we don't invite Matt. And I said, uh, I really don't like the guy. <laughs> I'm only working with him because I have to. His nose enters the room before he does. <laughs> I can't have anybody that ugly at my wedding. It brings down the pictures. 
I would have to pay more money for these pictures <laughs> because they don't want somebody that I'd have to supply it. barf bags <laughs> to the people in the crowd because it'd be like <laughs> <laughs> People are going to throw money at him because they're going to think that he's got a disorder. <laughs> they're going to think he's homeless. <laughs> here, here comes Ian and his groomsmen and... Uh, the hunchback from Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the passer, whoever's going to come up to me and be like, uh, are you sure you had this guy? Who is this guy? Is that a demon? <laughs> is that Igor, your assistant? Thy <laughs> Satan! <laughs> Rid thee of this place. <laughs> Start throwing holy water at you. <laughs> it's gonna burn my skin out. I'm so ugly. Shoo! It gets rid of my acne. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so that's why that's why you got cut. Uh, but you did get an invite, even though you you tell everybody that you did. But you did. <laughs> but that's when uh, me and my wife got married. Uh, beautiful wife, I love her to death. Um, She's my she's my solid rock. She's my uh, my foundation. Um, it's it's taken a lot, a lot of a lot of ups and downs. Dude, I'm just airing my oh. head out. <laughs> a lot of ups and downs, but uh, you know, um, we communicate through it all. And um, uh, truthfully, I think she, she she makes me better. And we've got uh we've got two beautiful girls. Um, one is almost four years old. And one just turned seven months, and uh, Jess, just like you just said, uh, my my youngest, uh, she's our golden child. <laughs> <laughs> she's the one we love the most. No, no, no. I love I love them both to death, man. Uh, I love my my oldest, uh, but uh, my second baby. You know, you go into it um, when I when you have multiple kids. Uh, I've always heard that the first one is easy, and the second one is just like wild it was completely the opposite for us my first child wild completely wild she still is she's starting to get out of that uh that like toddler phase she's starting to kind of be more like a like an actual person mm-hmm. if that makes sense but dude my second child dude she's like you couldn't ask for a better baby it's awesome sleeps most every night all night um and it just seems i forget a lot of stuff it just seems that like it's it's gone a lot easier, but then again, me and Marina were in a completely different situation um, when my first child was born. You know, we weren't together. Uh, it was a completely different situation. So, uh, but yeah, I love I love my family to death, man. Got all girls, so it's been great. It's taught me a lot, a whole lot. That's a lot of estrogen in a house. It is. It's a lot of estrogen. I think that's why my testosterone was so low. <laughs> Dude, uh, a buddy of mine, I had him on the podcast. Actually, his name's Dave Bowers. He's got four daughters. Oh, DB. 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 <laughs> He's got four daughters and a wife. Five women in a house, just with one man. And he even says, he's like, that's a lot of estrogen. And the, the guy is enormous, like stacked, musculature-wise. And it's like, I, I can see why you are going so hard all the time because there's just women at your house. Like it's, you have no testosterone to compare against in the house. So you just got to perform like outperform. Um, I would suggest to you to start performing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously you look at the, oh God. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> if you're just if you're just listening, Ian raised his hand up, and when he did, he, he saw the amount of sweat under his armpit. Oh my god! Did you run here? <laughs> It's pretty bad right now. That is really bad. Did you work out like just before you came here or something? I totally did. <laughs> I don't think you did. I definitely did. We went and had lunch. I mean, we had uh, some Mexican food. I Puerto mean, Alberto. It's El Abuelo. <laughs> <laughs> El Abuelo. I had me a arroz con pollo. That's what I had. That's what you had as well. I also had the, uh, what was the drink I had? Puta Loco pu- Pita, peta, it was loco. a crazy duck, is what he said. Crazy duck, whatever. Crazy duck in Spanish. Poto loco, pato, peto, peto loco, something like that. Peto loco. Um, I haven't learned that. In yeah, my, so uh, Duolingo yet? Yeah, you're taking Duolingo. Yeah, talk about that, dude. You're taking Duolingo. What's that? Why? Why? Yeah. Um, truthfully, because it's just something that interests me. Um, we both, you know, started at McDonald's. Speak some what? Speak some Spanish. Um. <laughs> Now that you put me on spot, I forget everything. <laughs> I am not proficient in Spanish at all. I've been, uh, we both worked at McDonald's. Yeah. And I took Spanish in high school. And, um, you know, you learn the you learn the basics in high school. But when you go to uh, work at McDonald's around a bunch of uh, Spanish speakers, dude, you learn so much. Mm-hmm. They were all always teaching me things. Um they were teaching me bad words too. They go say, say, say chinga tu madre to this guy right there. It means I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love and I'd say it, and uh, you know, it definitely didn't mean that, you know. Yeah. But I've just been taking uh, Duolingo. It's uh, just some stupid app on my phone, and uh, just for fun, I've learned a lot with it. Will I ever use it? Mm, maybe in the off chance that we have a Spanish speaking person as a uh, as a patient. But uh, Dude, we were at. A Mexican restaurant, and I said, "Hey, why don't you speak Spanish to them?" And you're like, ah. <laughs> "You're not even." They sound so bad. It is, dude. When I was working at McDonald's, uh, my they had a nickname for me there, and they used this nickname for the entire time that I worked there. So it got to a point where every time I'd walk in, I'd expect to hear it, and then they'd be like, "Hola," they'd tell me the name, like "Hola, feo," and I'm like, "Oh, what's up, guys? How you doing, man?" <laughs> and then it went on for a year and a half. And I just, just like, I felt like I was a part of the team, like with these, all these Mexicans, like they like me. And I just was like, what does that mean? Like, what does feo mean? And they're like, oh, feo is a uh, ugly. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> you thought you were like, enough. awesome I guy or. Thought I was someone who's making friends. And uh, I was making friends. I ended up learning a lot. There was a guy there named Mario that I learned a ton from. Uh, there was a. Uh, Armando, I learned a lot from, uh, and I mean, there was a couple of females that were there. I don't remember their names right now. One was Maria, obviously, but, um, it was just, I learned a bunch and one of them works at flapjacks now. So I see her all the time. She doesn't recognize me. Obviously I look like I ate the old me right now. So like, um, I look completely different. So she doesn't recognize me, but, um, but I learned so much Spanish from there. And then also even going to uh, the mall, I'd go to the mall and my brother used to work at the mall way back when. And there was a guy named Muhammad. Now, obviously, Muhammad is Muslim. And I would learn, excuse me, I would learn uh, their language, a little bit of it. So uh, I don't remember much, 
But what I do remember was, uh, I'm drawing a blank, so I don't remember apparently. Um, Mahaba. And Mahaba is uh, like, what's up? Or hey, what's up? And then I used to ask, uh, I used to know where's the pain at. And then I used to know some body parts. And then I used to know the word point for like point where the pain's at. Um, I used to know just a couple of things. He actually wrote a list out for me of like body parts, you know, heart Muslims eyes, uh, for mu- like in mu- or Arabic Arabic. Yes. I said a Muslim. It was an Arabic. So I learned a little bit of Arabic, um, but that was also seven years ago. And he's he I don't know where he's at now. Obviously, he could be back in Afghanistan or somewhere <laughs> wherever he's from. But no, I'm sorry. He was from uh, Jerusalem around there because. Yeah, he's from around there. Yeah, that's where he was. But, uh, yeah, so talk about your career in the fire service. When did you start? So, obviously, you worked at McDonald's beforehand. You should have stayed there. So, let's go ahead. (laughs) Actually, uh, that's my longest job I had outside of the fire service. Really? McDonald's? Yep. Um, I had a nickname, too. My nickname was Juan Martinez. (laughs) My brother worked there, too. And he had a nickname, too, but it was like Gay Boy or something like that. (laughs) Gay boy. Gay boy. I was like, boy. <laughs> Otto Nino. <laughs> Same thing as you. He's like, yes, man, I'm getting a part of the crew. I love it. <laughs> they know they're called gay boy. Uh, no, I uh, worked at McDonald's. Um, worked a couple, a couple other jobs. Um, Lowe's. Uh, I worked for a private ambulance service for a little while. It was terrible. When I first got my EMT. Um. Then uh, that's when that's when I was in a cadet program at the department I work at now. Um, I was a cadet for a couple of years. You can say the department if you want to. I was a cadet at Greenwood. Oh, you shouldn't have said it. <laughs> I mean, a uh, black uh, black tree. Oh, dude, I mean, we don't even have a chief. To, like, someone, come on, like, what are they going to do? Slow the hammer at you? True. I was at uh, the Greenwood Fire Department. Um, cadet there. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie. <so long. laughs> Excuse me. That's where I. Uh, Worked there for two years, or I was a cadet there for two years. Um, got on part time in 2019. Uh, unfortunately, with you, <laughs> <laughs> I was full time at that point. You were full time. I was full time for four years at that point. You were the full timer on the rig, and you and our officer, uh, Captain. I mean, Captain Jim Bird. <laughs> no, Jim I love Burgess. Jim, man. He's a good dude. Um, yeah. Burgess and uh, we had, I mean, back then our department only had what two full two full timers on a rig, yeah. and the rest was two. The back steppers were part time for the front half and the back half. So yeah. I was the front half, and we had a uh, dude. I was only there for what two years, something like that. And yeah. man, we had like seemed like five just day part timer guys with us. Yep. You know, it was constant different dudes. You know. It was cool to meet all these guys, and they eventually went off to either get a full-time job with us or or at our department or somewhere else, you know. Um, we had Dickie, uh, Riley, mm-hmm. Riley. Uh, Slug. Yep. There's a couple others I can't remember. Um, we had John Ramsey, Cody Parrott. Had uh, Gage Goss. Gage Goss for a while, Kurt. Ryan Gant. Gant. He always yeah. worked the night half with us. And that was fun too, you know. Um, man, I'd always pick up the night half with you guys, and even when it got to a point, um, thanks Obama, 
to where we couldn't work 24 hour shifts. Yep. I would, I would still just stay the night. <laughs> that was so much fun. Dude. It was fun. Back in the day, I, I have a lot of fond memories at the old 93s. And for those who don't know about the old 93s, it was, it, it was an old house built in 1983. Now you sit there and be like some of these firehouses, like in Indianapolis are like early 1900s, you know, pretty old houses for us here in Greenwood. 1983 is a pretty old home, you know, pretty old firehouse. And, um, it, it had a mold issue real bad down in the basement. The septic tank that was there constantly would flood. The sump wouldn't take it. The sump wouldn't work. And then it would just flood with poop water down in the basement. And just people were sick all the time. Rhonda's Dude. shit. It was what? Rhonda's shit. Yeah, Rhonda's poop all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda was the ENT there. She was there for a long time and she was awesome. She kept to herself. I mean, it, well, she wasn't awesome, but she kept to herself. But she was like, I know to like not be around the boys all the time because it's like, you know, she's a woman. Like, she always was the, there for advice. Though. She was always there for advice. She was actually sitting right there when I found out my dad called me and told me my grandma passed away. And he called me and said, Hey, grandma died, you know. I'm I'm sorry, you know, you're I mean you're at work and I got more phone calls to make to everyone else in the family and I was like, All right, love you. Hung up the phone and I was sitting there already already talking to Rhonda and she's like, What's wrong? I start like kinda crying and then I'm like, My grandma died and then I started crying more and she got up and gave me a big hug. I just cried on her shoulder for like the next ten minutes it felt like. And then um Rhonda was always there. She was always the mom. Firehouse mom. She was the firehouse mom and it was great. Like I, my memories, my fond memories of old station 93 always involve Rhonda in them and CJ. CJ was another lady that they were partners uh, on the rig for the ambulance. And it was CJ and Rhonda. Like that was the crew. And CJ was the medic um, old DI from the ring Corps, And she's solid. Like she was cool as shit. And, um, we always would help her because she had bad knees, really bad knees, and she needed knee surgeries. And anytime we had an arrest, we would help her get down to the ground. Now, here's the thing, too. It's like she had a medical issue, but she was still going for it. Like their their room, you guys have to like you guys have to either know or remember um, that old station. The basement was where the medics' quarters were. So, and the medic was the busiest medic in our city, and actually in the county. So they're doing the most amount of calls. So they're going up and down the stairs 80 times a day. It seems it, like. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. They're probably going down like on average, they would do anywhere from eight to probably, you know, 16 calls. So, the, you know, times that by two on both of those, that's how many times they're going up and down the stairs just for calls alone. That's not to come upstairs to go to the eight, to go to the store to, or to run by down to Rhonda's house or run to training or, or something. Do their other normal, do duties their other normal the duties in there. So it was tough on her knees. So we, we were like, we will always help you. Like she did a great job on scene, always took care of us. She even asked one time, uh, CJ and Rhonda both asked, can, can you teach us how to hit a hydrant? So that way we can hit your guys' hydrants for you. That's awesome. So we're like, Oh my God. And they would try their hardest to, to be out the door at the same time as us, which is important. It's extremely important. And obviously we knew like, Hey, they've got, they've got some TOJ. Like you, they were the medic crew. Like I truly, in my head, like we've talked about this in my head, medic crews, I don't want them in my firehouse. Most of them. I really don't. Uh, I don't like most of them. I just think they get in my way and 
I just don't want them in my firehouse. I think they should be somewhere else. My opinion, it's not all opinions, but they had proven, unless you prove yourself that you deserve to be in the firehouse. That's just how I see it. And that's just the way I am. And I'm the same way with firemen. If you're not good and I don't, I don't want you in my firehouse. If you're not trying, if you don't try at all, don't want you here. Um, and I'm the same way with everybody else. And even myself, I'm not even trying. I shouldn't be at work. I should probably go somewhere else. So, but they tried their hardest. They had the most time on there and they were still trying to work, you know, but everyone knows you give Rhonda and CJ their space when they're down there in their medic quarters, leave them alone. Like, don't bother them. Don't get on the, now. Would we be a little loud in the bunk room, like jumping around? Like Rhonda will know if Rhonda's watching this, she'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And like, you hear like, like in the middle of the night, you hear, I'm bang. Like, <laughs> like you hear talking about like, um, you think darkness is your ally. And then you go with like screaming, I'm Batman. And we're all fighting upstairs in the, in the bunk room, throwing mattresses at each other. Like, that's what we did. You hear, you'd hear like she would be down at the basement. All of a sudden, you studying. You mean? Yeah. Oh, she'd hear. Well, you can't do it. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> then, like she knows, one of us just went down the stairs. Like we just flew down the stairs somehow. Um, but we always took care of them. Like they were the number one priority on on runs too. Like if a patient got too loud, I know that Rhonda had a knife in her sock. Like she was not afraid to pull that out. Like boot get boot get. <laughs> she had her a boot get. Like, but they earned that respect with them trying their hardest and it was always it's it's that kind of mutual respect thing if you're not trying at all i don't want to help if you're not trying yourself because there's only so much i could do like um you said it or you said it earlier when we were talking before this like you can only you can lead a horse to water you can't make them drink like they have to try if they want to try to do it and if they don't want to there's nothing i can do for you yeah just like you said there has to be mutual respect i mean we can't we can't expect them to put 100 percent effort if we're not putting in 100 percent effort for them you know i mean ultimately what is our goal when we go out the door our goal when we go out the door is to be there for the patient you know if i'm not performing at my best i'm not giving what i need for that patient yeah. we are not giving what i need for that pa- or what we uh <clears throat> what that patient needs you know I, I solely, all right. I wholeheartedly believe that your team is only as good as the weakest link. You know, you can have great dudes around you, but if you got a guy that's underperforming, what does that show? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so there has to be a mutual respect between us and the EMTs and paramedics on the yeah. on the ambulance. You know, we have to be helping them, and they have to be helping us. You know, we're a team. Ultimately, to give out the same outcome that we want, uh, provide a good service for our patient. Mm-hmm. That's what our job is. You know. <clears throat> And it, it's tough because now we're, we're at a spot. We're at a spot right now with our provider that we have. This is just my personal off-duty opinion. We're at a spot with our provider now where they're so short-staffed. And let's be honest here. They don't pay worth shit. They don't. You know how much over, how much PTO time they offer? Mm-hmm. They won't, don't really quote me, but this is my understanding of it. Every paycheck... They get two hours PTO added to them. Hmm. So after like 12 shifts, 12 shifts, they finally oh, get, no, 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 no. every 12, 12 pays, every 12 pays, they get one full day off. 
So they get Oof. so at most like That's if they 60, add up sixty shifts equals one. If one. I'm doing my math right, sixty shifts for for one full day. One I'm full pretty day. sure that's how it goes. Pretty sure, because I was speaking to one of our EMTs about it. And that's what she was telling me. But it's insane. Like it is absolutely to have something like that is absolutely insane. I, I know what their pay is. It's not great. It's trash. And when you have trash pay, you're not going to have people that are going to want to do the best job in the entire world. You know, you're going to have subpar employees, which there's plenty of those. There are plenty of those. And it's hard to get rid of those because you can't just go over and be like, this person does not, they're not cutting it out. They need to go. I need somebody better. They just can't send, they can't do that because they have no one else better. They got rid, you know how many people they got rid of in the beginning that were like the good employees? Or the ones that left because they weren't getting treated right. There were so many employees that left in the beginning because they got treated like garbage. And then now they're like, well, why, why aren't we getting the greatest service? Why do you think, numb nuts? Like, that's just my personal opinion on it. But now um, we shouldn't discredit, you know, we have the one, we there's one that's really we, should, we need to give credit to where credit is due. There's some great seals. Uh, in, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah. There is some great. EMTs and paramedics on our department that I, I do that work enjoy, for the ambulance that work for the ambulance that I really do enjoy working with. You know, let's just you know name a few of them. I really enjoy working with Jarrett. Oh, God, Jarrett yeah. Easton, great dude. The Rachels, I enjoy the Rachels. They can be tough. They can be hard to deal with sometimes, but they are great. I like them. Great. You know, I mean, we have to give credit where credit is due. You know, those are the guys or guys and gals that are stepping up when they need to step up. Can you do the hand thing again on that? There you go. Perfect. Thank you. Did you guys see that magic right there? Well, those are the guys and girls that are stepping up and doing what they need to do just as we are doing what we need to do. You know, they got, we got that mutual respect between us, you know, we're helping them out. They help us out, you know, so it's not, they're not all bad. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, we can learn from all of them, you know, uh, but, uh, let's give credit where credit is due in my opinion. So, um, Ian, the reason why I'm having you on today, excuse me, I'm just all like burps right now. I don't know why. You're all burps. I'm all farts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I chugged down. I had some coffee. Coffee here, by the way. A lot of a crowd. Which, by the way, do you know what's going on in the conservative movement right now? No. Of course you don't, because you don't pay attention to anything. I really don't. There is so much infighting going on right now. It is so embarrassing. It is so embarrassing. Um, Let's get back on real topics. Real topics? Oh, like sports. Oh, did you guys see some A.J. Stevenson sprained his ankle? $30 million a year? What's that all about? Like, no. Stupid. Sports is dumb. Okay. Let's let's get on topics that aren't politics. Politics are annoying. You're annoying. And a waste of time. There's just so much infighting going on right now. It's bad. Don't care. You should care. It doesn't affect my life. Uh, it will to a point. At the end of the day, I still have to go to work. I still have to provide for my family. I'm still going to do the best I can. That's it. <laughs> the rest is, you know, we we deal with it when we got to deal with it. You sound like a typical loser. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not a loser. Well, I take that back. To some. To some. <laughs> to some. You're a loser. Uh, no. But no, I think, well, you are interested in politics. I totally get it. 
I am very interested in politics. Politics really affects our job, actually. I don't know if you know that. Or that, not. that that is something it that I really noticed. does when affect I've, our job. That is something that I didn't know going into the fire services how political it is, especially right now and you know the right now in the political realm that we're in. It's uh, it's very eye opening to see how political our job is. It's it's a it's definitely like I said very eye opening. That is something I did not know going into the fire services is how political it is. It is it is something that uh, the past few years has um, I've tried to push towards guys. Obviously, uh, anybody who knows me knows that politics is a big thing that I talk about, and also my dog Delilah. This is Delilah. Here's Delilah. <laughs> this is my baby girl. Say hi. Hello. Come on, say hi. Special guest speaker. <laughs> All right. <coughs> Sorry. I guess it's just say for me. <coughs> Local politics, I have a little bit more of an interest in because it does directly affect me when it comes to like a national, like your presidential race yeah. or this or that. I don't give two shits what the president said. I really don't. I, I mean, that may be that may be terrible to say, but I don't. It, I, I totally get that. At the end of the day, I, again, like what I said earlier, I'm still gonna have to go and do my job. Yeah. I'm still gonna have to go and perform my best. I'm still gonna have to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care. But the local level, I will agree with you. Absolutely. Especially with everything that we have going on right now. I mean, we kind of have to. Well, there's so many cities out there that have stuff going on. So there's so many other places that have... um, Sorry, I didn't switch it over. There's so many cities out there that, at a local level, their fire departments have never been involved. And um, some have gotten involved. And with those that have, they, they have a lot of say. They have a lot of stuff to to add to the city because obviously they're the ones talking to them, the, the citizens that, you know, they know what they want, but they also know the ins and outs of things and how they work and what they truly need. And there's politicians out there that will, you know, say one thing and then do another. So, and that happens all over the, all over the country. So that's when you have like unions and you have locals that, that stand up for those guys. They're the ones that are protected to stand up against those guys. Uh, politicians stand for the firemen. So that's why you have those. Um, but yeah, politics is something that I've, I've been pushing for guys to get involved with the past few years. And if you know me, you know, I love politics and my dog Delilah, obviously, but, um, it's just getting involved and obviously, you know, in the, in the proper way doing it, you know, no mudslinging, no, nothing like that. That's wrong. But getting involved in, in being, out there with the community is number one, dude. We always talk about this. Number one is the is the citizens and the people who come into Greenwood or your city. Whatever your city is, it's the people that are traveling in and out of it and the people that live there too. So it's always them coming first. And you have to think about it. What do they need? What do they need? They need top performance. Guys who are in physically good shape. We could even talk about that in this episode. Guys that are mentally tough. We can talk about mental toughness. Um, guys who are educated enough on the job. 
guys who are jacks of all trades. There's going to be guys that their niches are forcing doors like John Molinaro and Jacob Hershey. Um, there's going to be guys with niches about HVAC units. Bobby Price. Bobby Price. Plumbing. Brian Johns. like Electrical. What's um, that? Electrical. Mark oh, electrical. Freeze. Dude, the way you said that, you're it like electrical. Electrical. <laughs> Mark Freeze. Mark Freeze, yeah. He's he's a guy. Um, Indiana uh, Marine Corps. Mark Freeze. <laughs> a uh, United States <laughs> United States color guardsman. <laughs> he's actually going to Africa. Two twirl flags. I didn't know it was a job. Quite honestly. Hi. Thank you, thank you, Mark, for your service. We appreciate it. Twirl them flags, buddy. <laughs> and them rifles. <laughs> and go, yes. <laughs> yes, Queen. <laughs> if they were in the, in the UK, yes, Queen. <laughs> so what do we say for us? Yes, Commander in Chief. <laughs> That's our president, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes, Chief. No, so, yeah, so love the, Mark. Yeah, we love Mark. Yeah, it's so. Um, but that's what they expect. So that's what we have to give them. They're expecting. Like I don't remember who the fire chief was that says this, but I remember Curtis Huffman would always say it. Um, they're expecting a neuroscientist, an astronaut, and a surgeon. Like they're expecting uh, like those types of people to show up at their house. Some of these fire departments don't do any training. Some of these crews don't do any training and they get there and you know, these guys and you're like, I really hope that. Cause I hope my, I mean, I have my parents live in the city of Greenwood. Right. And I have a lot of friends that live in the city of Greenwood. I'm like, I hope that it doesn't fall on the shift. I hope my, my parents will have a cardiac arrest or go into cardiac arrest on this certain shift. Cause it would be bad. Cause I know I'd be beating some ass, but now our whole department as as a whole, our department as a whole, I would say is pretty solid. Our whole department, like, there's not really crews that I think of that it's just like, oh god, I wouldn't want them. But like, all of us as a whole, I'm like, we're all pretty solid. I would say we have some pretty amazing guys, and we do have some like amazing guys, outstanding, that are pretty firemen. smart, mm -hmm. and I've learned a lot from not even just fire department wise, but just life in general. Oh yeah, we have some awesome dudes, just like you said, the jack of all trades guys. I mean, there's guys that I know. Let's use for example, John Molnaro. If I got a question on yeah, force and doors, or if I got a question on pumping lines, you know, we learned uh, <clears throat> we learned last shift that if I got a question on pumping, go over to a guy from that's not our department, department uh, Rick Wallachy. Go over to him. That dude is smart when it comes to just the ins and out of the apparatus. You know, we have guys that are jacks of all trades that we can go to. We have contracting questions. I go to Brandon Bennett, you know, mm -hmm. ask him questions because that dude's smart as hell when it comes to that stuff. He doesn't he, seem smart when you talk to him. <laughs> I feel like that's that's the fire service, man. You got yeah. a lot of guys like, I'll use Bobby Price, for example. You know, that dude's wild, you know. <laughs> you look at him and he puts on this persona that, you know, he's a goofball, but he, he is very smart. Yeah, he is intelligent. He's very smart. And I've learned a lot when it comes to HVAC and um, just... Uh, alarms. I mean, the, the guy's very smart. And for those of you who don't know, yeah, I flipped my hat around backwards. What's up? How's it going? Um, for those of you who don't know a whole lot about the fire service, um, it really is like a jack of all trades kind of thing. Like you got to know, like the, the calls that I've been on, let's, let's you, I'll, I'll give some of some genres of calls that I've been on. 
odor. Sorry, I'm stretch, my stretching my legs. No. What, you been sitting here for a while or something? <laughs> yeah, playing footsie with you. The kinds of the kind of call genres that I've had. Um, odor in a residence, right? You done? <laughs> I get done. Sorry. <laughs> odor in a residence. Getting in there. It was the lawnmower that was inside the garage that was leaking fuel, right? <laughs> so it was the oh. So it was the, um, I'll just wait. (laughs) Sorry. I was supposed to take this at three. I will uh, mark this down again. Actually, this won't be as bad. Um, Here. 40, 430. Oh, wow. Now, Ian, what is that that you're taking? Um, I've been feeling a little sick. So uh, my wife came to me with this stuff called Oscillococcinum. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> But it's made me feel better. <clears throat> really? Yeah, it has. I'll look it up. But I'll it's also for like talk cold and flu-like symptoms. Oh, well, I'll also talk while you're. Oh, I'm looking it up too. Um, but the calls that I've been on, Oscula Um Oscula flu and flu-like symptoms. Cockinum. What are you doing, cockinum? <laughs> Feeling run down, achy, chills. Take Oscula and feel like yourself again. <laughs> Take a little bit. I'll take a bump of coke. Feel better. It's worked. I'm sure it does work. Uh, but like you know, odor in a residence. You go into the garage. You find out. Oh, that smells like gasoline. All right, cool. And you find out. Oh, the mower's leaking. So you can kind of sit there and look that, of that kind of stuff. You get different types of burning smells. You know, there's differences in a type of a smell versus a, a plastic smell versus a rubbery smell. Right. So working on equipment, you're going to be able to tell on what unit that might be. Um, walked into a residence. Uh, recently for a reported fire in a residence they had a haze inside my guys are in there doing their thing and i checked underneath the uh, in, in the crawl space so i was like well you know we're here for a couple minutes by ourselves i might as well just check underneath the crawl space with a flashlight see if i look around see if any smoke uh saw no smoke they asked the next crew to come in and look and then uh you know Oh, I saw it on the door for a second. Um, checked on the uh, in the in the crawl space for smoke. Saw nothing. Then they asked the next crew to come in, and I already told them that I already went and looked, found nothing. Um, but then I walked inside after they couldn't figure out what it was. The first thing I said was, "Ah, it smells like a dishwasher." They open it up. Sure enough, there was something burning on the heating element down at the bottom. So it's it's. The always things that I always ask to check, like if there's a smell, you can't figure out where it is. Like if it's, you're in a kitchen area, is check your toaster, check your microwave, and check your dishwasher. Like it's it's typically one of those things if you can't deduce it down to anything else. And then you check lights and stuff like that because it could be just, you know, burning up in the top. Um, but that's just because I've had that happen before, you know, and 
you get electrical smells, you get the rubbery smells. Some of the rubbery smells might be some of the, uh, the rubber unit part of the unit of your HVAC burning, burning in. And that's the only reason why I found that out is because I was working with an HVAC guy and that's what he was telling me about. We're all on. And it's just, you get those experiences and you could use those on your calls. Obviously. Um, when I worked with Brian Johns, when he had his, uh, plumbing company, you, I remember the smell of soldering. So like, I walked into a house. I'm like, oh, someone been soldering? They're like, oh, yeah, they have. And I'm like, that's how we found out. Because if I would have, if I wouldn't have known what that smell was, like, oh, my God, that, what's that smell? But like, you do these trades with these guys and you find out, like, oh, okay, someone was working on the house just recently and he just left. And now there's some smell, weird smell going on. That's what they're smelling. So that's why, you know, doing these trades and stuff like that is, is really beneficial for this job and being able to, uh, deduce problems. I remember we get called for an odor in a residence. We get in there and they're like, it just smells like poop in here. And we just can't figure like it, they they kept saying it was gas. And you walked in, you're like, Oh man, it does smell like manure. And, but as I walked in, I, as I'm walking in, obviously own a lawn care landscaping company. First thing I saw was, Oh, I just put down fresh mulch. Didn't think anything of it. I walked inside and they're telling me like, Oh, there's a gas odor smell in here. I'm like, Oh, I mean, I smell something. Yeah. But I just noticed as I was walking in, they just did all the landscaping. And then, I, then it hit me. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is the smell of mulch. This is the smell of it's a hot day. It got in one of their windows was open right by a bunch of big, you know, area of mulch they just put in and it was, the wind was blowing in the inside and they could smell it. And they thought it was gas odor. So like, it's just, that one's pretty obvious. I mean, for you, for me on that one, but it was like, it didn't hit me until a couple seconds later. So being, being somebody who like, I recommend a fireman like work a couple trades on your days off. Why are you sitting like that? Oh, you're not, they, it can't pick it up. It won't pick it up. Um, I mean, unless you're like, <sighs> then it'll pick it up, but it, it won't be bad. Um, that's why I recommend to guys like work carpentry, you know, work as a framer for a minute, you know, do some, some, uh, construction do remodeling you know do tile work do um hvac plumbing you know anything you can do to learn especially on how to take care of your own home because there's a lot of stuff that i've done like general contracting work like with brandon i helped him out doing some demo stuff but i worked for another guy that was just remodeling and that helped me out with my own house you know doing drywall finishing or at our firehouse or even at our firehouse too yeah if things were to ever happen like that never never um so you go ahead, dude. No, that's one thing I love about our job, man. One, you never know what you're going to get, and two, me always learning, always learning from other mm-hmm. calls, uh, from from the calls that you go on. You know, um, uh, I'll take a couple shifts ago we had that fatality, and yeah. um, dude, the amount of stuff that you learn from that, you know, I mean, you're like me, you know, we're gonna beat each other up. I'm going to beat myself up. You're going to beat yourself up way more than anybody else will be able to. There's not something that some guy is going to tell you, you, you did this wrong. This was, this, this was. I've already said to myself 10 times over, you know, cause we want to be better. We want to be able to provide the best service. Um, but dude, there's so many takeaways from every single call mm-hmm. from the most mundane, uh, routine lift assist to the, the fatalities to big fires to small fires to even other people's runs. You're I learned so much and it always you know, it's something I keep in mind, you know. Keep an open mind going into these runs, even if they are quote unquote routine, because you can learn so much and be able to provide a better service 
for your next one. And, yeah. you know, we had that fatality, and I remember... You want to talk about it real quick? Like, just a little bit of the details. Um, Like, what we... What I think went wrong, or just what, what happened? Of what happened, and then um, we can talk about what we... What well, uh, so we had a... This was in the middle of the night, um, over off of Worsville and Eastwood, just east of 31. I believe it's Eastwood, that entrance to the trailer park. Um... That was loud. <laughs> Guy driving his motorcycle. Um, we estimate over hundred at least. We estimated. I think it was one twenty to one twenty one forty. Um, so he was cooking in a. Uh, Thank God you can't see her. A sedan pulls out in front of him, coming off of Eastwood, and he hits him, kind of t bones him, and uh, he lands right there. Car spins out and um, lands. Uh, uh, what was it like 25 feet from where he hit into the uh, yeah, around he, the curb? Yeah, he he did a 180. He did a driving 180. He wasn't a it wasn't a spinning 180 in the car. Yeah, but when the motorcyclist hit him, the motorcyclist typically like on a motorcycle wreck, the bike stays stationary and then the guy flies. You yeah. know, he stayed stationary. He did not fly. He did not fly. He hit directly into the car. He met a and, brick wall. And Correct. he yeah. he went nowhere, so that's exactly where we found him. We pull up, and um, to be honest, you know what we should have done in the moment, and what I've talked about is, uh, you know, you can read the notes. So in our CAD system, at least you, I'm, I'm hardly ever in the seat, but um, when you're in the seat, you know, we get we're fortunate enough to get these notes. When we see these notes, uh, guy laying in the street, and. Guy possibly trapped in his car. I don't remember what the notes were because I didn't read them. But I don't. I don't remember there. There wasn't anybody. There wasn't anything in the notes about the other driver not being able to get out okay. of the car. But we did. I do remember the guy in the street, right? Yes. You know. So on the way, you know, I've talked to other. Um, this is again, you know, me talking to seeking counsel from other people, and um, you know, hey, what do you do in these, you know, stressful situations? This could have been a perfect opportunity for us to be like, guys, this is this is legit. Let's breathe and focus, not get tunnel vision. Because that's, for me, that's what I got. I got pretty tunnel vision on that yeah. run. But uh, anyways, he was in the street. Um, obviously, he uh, he did not make it. Um, the other guy got ended up getting being uh, trapped in the vehicle. And um, I think the thing that threw us off the most... I know what the thing that threw us off the most was the dog. Oh yeah, big old pit bull inside the back, just not letting us get anywhere near. Heads, it was very head sticking out. Yeah, it was very intimidating with that dog. I never got tunnel vision. I was perfect on that run. I never had any. No, I was tunnel vision on that run too. I focused directly on the guy on the the guy on the ground, face down. I focused on him too long. What I should have done is the ride out. I should have taken a step back, let you guys. Look at him real quick and be like, "No, yay, nay," and then move on to the other patient. I my issue what I did wrong was I asked the other officer. I said, "Hey, how's he doing?" And I pointed the police to police officer, a police officer. I pointed to the police officer. Said, "How's the driver of the car doing?" He's like, "Oh, he's good." I'm like, "Okay, cool. We're good with him." I could focus on this guy for a little bit, and I focused too much on him. Yeah, when, to give us I, a little. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you. No, off, but no, to you're give good. us a little bit of uh, benefit of the doubt here. I mean. If we did have to work him, that's a lot of hands that we need. There's a lot of things that he right needs off the bat, right yes. off the bat. What he needs right now, 
you know. So well, we thought we thought that we felt a pulse there. We thought we did. So we definitely, I definitely felt agonal breathing. Yeah. So you felt something. So when you feel something, then you got to go off of that. Then you move them in. What I should have done as the officer, my learning experience was, I should have split two and two because we have four guys. I should have split two and two. Two over here, two over there. That's what I should have done. And I would have been one of the two that goes over. Um, that's what I should have done. So that's where I I made the mistake on that part. Because the medic crew would go with the, whoever's the worst uh, right. case. You know, whoever has the worst issue going on. And then Unfortunately, they were right behind us. Yes, they were right behind us, which was good. Um, typically, that don't happen. <laughs> uh, typically, they're way behind us. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, once we got to the other patient, he's sitting there talking uh, in the in the car. He's sitting there talking to us. This lady's holding his hand, but this dog is a pit bull. And obviously, you guys just saw, I have a pit. I have a healthy respect for all dogs. Now, if a little yapping dog, yeah, I don't care. I'll go in and I'll take a couple little bites to from a, a, one of them. But from a healthy pit, like... I'm not testing that, you know, I'm not going to put my hand in. I'm not going to try to reach in where there's a, uh, you know, that dog was probably 70 pound bit. My Delilah's 60. Well, he could have been 85 because a lot of 65 and she's short and stout, but this dog was a bigger, bigger pit. <clears throat> He's just sitting there would not let us get close to the car. So that set us back a bit. And then, um, but I, I, my mistakes were, uh, the verbiage, verbiage or verbiage, verbiage, verbiage of, uh, I said a door pop on the radio. I should have called for an extrication. That's my fault. I made that complete mistake and it was embarrassing after that. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. You know, I can't believe I did that. And I'm stupid for asking just for the ladder, just for a door pop. I, for our department, we do extrication calls. That's an extrication call. Um, could the driver have shifted his hips to get out? 100%. 100% the driver could have. Um, was he pinned? If he sat there and, you know, the doors up, the door was up against him, technically, yes, he was pinned. Could he have turned a bit and slid out? Yes, he could have. Um, but he said he couldn't move, said he was pinned, so we went off of that. Um yeah, we beat our, we beat ourselves up a, quite a bit on that run, um, but all in all, like if you take a step back and outside of how that whole run went, it actually went pretty smoothly. The guy that passed, sadly, he was twenty years old, speeding. That's just we've all done it. We've all spent on a bike. Uh, it's stupid, but he just you know bad luck that night, you know, but. He he was gonna he was no matter what. There's no bringing him back on that. The other driver, we did a great job with him. The extrication was was a good job on that. Um, it was all in all, it, it went well. And I, when I even talked with the battalion for that night, he even said it went well. It was just my verbiage, and we did focus a little too long. It was three minutes on scene until I went to the other patient. Mm. So, uh. And then it was seven minutes on scene until I called for a second medic. And that was because I'm walking up and we have this dog and the cops are trying to talk to the guy. So I'm sitting back. I'm like, well, he's talking, he's breathing, he's this and that, you know, he's doing all right now. And the cop earlier said, you know, he's good. I'm like, oh, I want to see. And I waited too long to say, because the cops were talking, I should have interrupted, interjected and went in and said, hey, you know, do you want to go to the hospital? 
let me let me interrupt here. You want to go to the hospital? You have any pain anywhere? I was, you know, waiting for the officers to stop talking with them, and then once they stopped, then I then I joined in, and then that's when I found out. You know, oh okay. So then that, at that point, it was the seven minute mark when I was like, this guy's gonna have to go to the hospital. Um, he's gonna want to go to the hospital. That's when. I'm like, all right, I'll call for the second medic. And uh, he's not going to be able to really get out easily, so let's go ahead and call for that. Do we have animal control on the way? Uh, animal control is already called, so we got to wait for them to get there. Ended up one of the officers, the Johns County guys, ended up reaching his head and putting his head and hand in the car. That dude got that has dog got out. some balls. He does have some balls. That's uh, Evan Preston. But ultimately, man, I mean... He ended back. up getting bit in the hand. He did get bit in the yeah. hand. And it didn't look, just from the outside, like, from my position, it didn't look bad. But apparently it was pretty bad. It went through, I think it went, like, pretty There's far like down. Skin in skin out. Um, but my point being, going back to what I said earlier, I mean, I, I got two big takeaways from that. One, just like you said earlier, there's nothing that we could have done that would have changed the outcome. Unfortunately, he he, he would have died. He still, he still would be dead. Um, he still would have passed, I should say. Um, and the other guy, we still got him out, you know. Um, but we can still learn, and that's this is the the most recent run that we've had together that we've learned a lot. You can learn something from each and every run that I go that we go on, and whether it be from something that I do or something I don't do or something that somebody else does or doesn't do, you know, we can constantly be learning. And that's what I love about this job. Constantly learning on how to be better, how to be more proficient. And two, um, I lost my train of thought. Two is, oh, we're going to be the ones, myself and you, because I know you're the same way. We're going to be beating ourselves to death way more than what anybody else can. And truthfully, I think that's, it's a good and a bad thing. There's a balance. It's a good thing because that shows what? One, we care. We want to be better. We want to be the best that we can be. And two, um, uh, we just want, we just want to learn, you know, we, our job is to provide. Our job is to, just like you said earlier, to be that brain surgeon, to be the neuro, the neuro transmitting scientist. Did you even say the word? No. <laughs> Uh, but you know, this is promising for the citizens, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like me and you, man, um, we want to be better yeah. or we're constantly trying to learn. We're constantly trying to improve. We're trying constantly trying to seek counsel on, Hey, what can I have done better? And some kind some, most of the time I'm going to guys before they even come to me. Hey, I know I, I know I messed up. Um, here's a scenario. What could I have done better? Uh, so I think that's, that's all, you know, obviously the outcome was terrible of that guy dying, but yeah. we, we learned a lot from it. And the, all, all of the, the major runs that I've had, even the small ones, I'm always trying to learn, trying to go to senior guys. And you're one of them that I go to a lot. Another guy, I, I'd probably, I burned this dude's ear off. John Molnar, I go to him all the time. When anything's going on, hey, I've, I messed up. I know I messed up. What did I do wrong? What can I do to improve? How can I go as in a, in a different mindset so we're better for the next one? Um, and I think it's good, too, to go to uh, guys on other departments. When we have things that are going on um, in our department, I I like I like to go to uh, guys on an on another department and um, ask him, you know, because he's he doesn't have a uh, – <laughs> 
<laughs> he doesn't have a. Um, who who do you ask? Who do I ask? Yeah, you said ask him. Oh, there's a guy. Um, his name. I don't know if he wants me to tell his name, but uh, he's a now a captain hmm. at uh, Wayne Township. His oh, name's wow. George Boots. Um, he yeah, goes. He probably to, doesn't want to have everyone know that you talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I go to him often. Yeah. Uh, anytime I see him at the gym, most most every day I co- um, I'm at the gym. I got something to ask him. You know, hey, what can I do to be better at this? Hey, we had this run. You know, and that's at your part time job cleaning like all the shitters at the gym or something. Yeah, you obviously yeah. don't work. Out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Good lord. No, but uh, that's that's what I try to do. I'm all, I'm always seeking counsel and um, trying to be better. I was looking at you through my hat hole. No. Do you ever feel like, I, I know why I feel like this every once in a while, like you're sitting in the truck or the engine and you're like, I really can't believe that I'm here. Like, I cannot believe that I'm in charge or I can't believe that I'm, they trust me to drive this truck or it's, I'm in this position and just, it felt like yesterday I was brand new, just starting one green to the world. Percent. I feel like that just at some part of the day, every day, I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, I know who I am. Like, I know I love to have fun. I know I love to you know mess around. But, like, there's times where I'm just like, I'm not ready. Like, I don't think I'm ready. But, like, then the a run comes out, and it's just, it's weird because, like, information just comes to you. Like, as as you're coming along. like You know what you're doing. Yeah, well, you you have a plan. You know, you have a plan of what's going on, but it always changes. So, like... I would say what would make a good firefighter, right? Somebody who can always have an ever-changing plan and it doesn't mess them up. I'm sure there's a smarter way to word it, but a person who has one plan and sticks to that one plan, even when new information comes out and they don't change, at some point it's going to get someone hurt or killed. God forbid. God forbids. (laughs) But... If you can change your plan as you're acting on it, like it's it's progressing through the scene, you can change your plan. I think that's what makes a good firefighter because it, we all do it, whether we think about it or not. Like you get new information on a run. Now you got to change your tactic. Uh, let me use an example. <clears throat> Just the day after Christmas, we had a fire. I think it was the day after Christmas. It was either Christmas Day or it was the day after. No, I'm sorry. It was just a couple of days before Christmas because they had a Christmas tree up and presents underneath. Sorry, I had to crack my neck. Um, there was a fire at this house. As we're doing our operation, we had a hydrant freeze up. Oh, We also yeah, found there was a chimney that was moving quite a lot with... Yeah. Water hitting it. It's the Asia fire. It was the Asia fire. Yeah, I was on that one. Uh, that's where I got that cool picture on the squad. On the squad. I was on a squad that night. Which, um, by the way, we should totally have a totally squad because we, we had a squad. Need a squad. I would bid on that squad oh, yeah. in a heartbeat. I could totally. Is, I could come up with some pretty good reasons for why we need a squad. It is my dream to be on the squad. I'll, I'll build my case. I'll give you my case for having a squad after this uh, statement. That if I the have. squad, sorry, if go. the squad is to ever come to Greenwood, and it's. And it's set up like an Indianapolis squad. See you later, engine. I'm never going to the ladder. Oh, make your first bid right now. Make it a bid. Make I'm bidding right now. 
Okay, bids in. Bids in. Uh, my bids in as well. We're the first ones to talk about it publicly and openly, and it's also going to be recorded forever and ever, and you can't take it away from us, whoever it is. I want see shift uh, squad. <laughs> it's going to be at the 93s. Squad, 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 squad. Squad, 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 squad. <laughs> Was that squad? Yeah, squad. <laughs> you know I got a podcast and a squad. <laughs> totally don't take let's assist. <laughs> <laughs> we will not take a lift assist. Ladder, I, I, I believe the ladder should be for lift assist. That's 100%. They, uh, yes. Ladder, ladder is lift, lift assist. assist and clean all the toilets <laughs> at all the stations. Because I mean, truthfully, they don't do anything. Well, I mean, love our ladder guys to death. But, yeah, uh, do they? They're do busy. <laughs> do they do anything? Uh, do, they, uh, do they get disregarded more than they arrive on scene? <laughs> they do. They do the Indianapolis EMS call. <laughs> you good? You good? <laughs> well, the engine guys are inside. You know, chasing this alarm. They they pull up. You got it right. You need us, me. Okay. Or, or you look out there at the window. You're waving them in before you hit them up on the radio. <laughs> you're like, you don't want to say, you don't want to say it over the radio. Like, we really, we really fucking need you. Come in, come in. And they think you're going this. Go away. Oh, we're out of here. Okay. He said, we're good, we're good, we're good. We're totally leaving. What was I talking about before we started talking about squads? Um. I don't remember. Well, that thought was lost. Uh, but my case for the squad, right? My case for the squad, our, uh, our trucks are taking a beating. We're, we drive them too hard. We drive. We do drive them too hard. I will. I will agree with Dusty from Global on that one. Dusty from Global, thank God for your services. Um, but Dusty from Global, I asked him. I was like, if there's one thing that you can tell us drivers at our department, what would it be? He goes, uh, please stop being so rough on the trucks. It's damaging a lot of them. But here's the thing, though. You got to remember, we're heading to emergency calls, right? And he even agreed to this. He goes, that's what I would say, but I do know that you guys are heading to emergencies. So you start the truck up, uh, citizens agree with, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to get there as fast as safely with due and regard. quickly with due regard as possible? Because that's what we do now. I mean, I would say our guys are pretty quick. Our tr- our engines are pretty quick. Our ambulances are another story for another time. Sometimes. Sometimes. There are some, there are some out there that are quick. There was one that beat me out the door one time. I, I, it, was, it made me feel weird because they beat us out. Now, you would think they'd beat you out the door every time because there's two of them, but four or three of us. So you'd think they'd win every time. But, you know, we don't always she's have t- that. She's taking a it's, pee every time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, hi, Delilah. You're the sweetest thing in the whole wide world. Yes, you are. No, but that's our job, man. But that's what our, our job is to be fast but proficient and safe in due regard. So, our trucks do take a beating because we are heading to emergencies. Uh, but there's also, as drivers and engineers, we also have to understand what's the call you're heading on, right? You know, for the guys that don't work in a really busy department, like you get in a truck and an engine and you're going to be flying down some roads and you, you come up and you see it, you see a part of the road that does one of these and it's in front of you. So you're like, Oh, we'll find out if it flows flies or not. That's going to damage your truck, you know, slow down. Like you, you want your truck to last a lot longer. Worry about that budget a little bit. You know, you want that budget for your department to actually have some money in it. Right. So that way you can use that in the future or get different equipment or newer equipment, sometimes better equipment. You can get updates and stuff, but being able to slow down a little bit for some calls that you have that don't seem as serious as we all have as terrible as that sounds as bad. 
Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Delilah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. I... <laughs> It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, so my dog Delilah, she just had the biggest fart. Feel better, girl. <laughs> uh, we spent too long on that. <laughs> but as so, as driver engineers, um, as driver engineers, we definitely need to recognize when we need to slow down versus when we need to speed up, right? So being able to uh, oh, recognizing dangers on calls is what I was talking about earlier. It's not important. Um, but as <laughs> engineers, we need, we do need to slow down a little bit. But my uh, my argument for the squad, our trucks take a beating. Starting up a Cummins diesel engine with an Alistair transmission, you know, 12 to 18 times per day. You know, let's go with five to 18 times a day. Because also you got to go to the store, you got to go to training, you got to go to the... Get know, fuel. Get fuel, you got to go... Because you know, B shift never fills up the truck. Yeah, they don't never fill up the truck. Never fill up the truck. Up the truck. And you know what A shift says about us? C shift never fills up the truck. <laughs> and then they also say C shift never does towels. You wonder why? Because we, we don't, don't do towels. Do <laughs> <laughs> we always say, ah, A shift will get it. It's just like it's just our, like our clocking in when we had uh, Chief, uh, Chief Larry Rockwell. Yeah, I'd Chief, always say, Chief ah, Chief will get it. <laughs> <laughs> We're, you're that guy. I am that guy. So, uh, But the argument for the squad, you know, trucks take a beating, fuel costs for diesel engines. Um, you know, you, you, you need to have, you need to have, a uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, Lila. She, I don't know what she's eating, but it's everything. <laughs> but it's it it comes down to what can take first out EMS. We're getting busier and busier every year, so you're gonna have to have something that can quickly get to calls and be first out EMS for the entire city. And that's where I think a squad would be handy. Um, it takes a lot of the run loads off of the, the engines, the actual engine itself. And then you're going to have engines that last longer. So you're saving more money. These trucks are expensive. They're over a half a million dollars. They're getting close words to upward to seven hundred dollars to $850,000. So you can get you a nice Chevy Tahoe. For, you know, we get the discount. You you typically get a government discount. It's like thirty or forty grand, thirty grand for a brand new one or something similar to that. And and there's there's grants out there. And having a squad would be beneficial, I think personally. Them, hundred percent, hundred percent, beef it up. Kind of, I I don't know exactly how Indianapolis sets those up. I, and I'm only using Indianapolis because I know they have squads. Yeah. Um. But yeah, beef. Beef it up a little bit, and um, that can take the brunt of these uh, engines' calls. And guess what? You look cool as hell driving it. Yes. And you get to do everything. I love, I love being on the squad. I, I rode out, uh, out on um, Squad 13 one time, just once, and it was so much fun because we were going everywhere. You were doing everything, 
any fire run that came out, you're on. Any any run at all, you're first out, you're doing it, which is fun. That's <laughs> that's how you learn, you know. Just like when we went back to, back to earlier, the more exposure you have to these runs, yeah. the more you can learn and the better you can be, I believe. Yeah, and that's another important thing too. Like I think I've talked about this before. Like having having guys on the fire department doing external trainings, you know, not just sticking in an huh. Fix fitness. fitness. Are we going to get into that? Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, we'll talk about fitness. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but having guys doing external trainings, like, don't just keep an ancestral relationship with your department. Go outside of your department. Learn what other guys are doing. You know, it's not just one way of doing things. There's plenty of ways. To, there are so many ways to skin a cat. Best person to ask is an Asian person. <laughs> I kid you not. But I tell you, that's this is a little that's off. the best way to train. Is a, little, out and find out. a little off topic, but um, I used to live uh, right next to Perry, Perry Meridian. Yeah. And um, we had a large influx of Burmese individuals that came into our neighborhood. I swear, we caught them cutting up a dog. What? Yes. And that that's just what they do in their culture. They, they That's a, that's just normal to them. It's like us... Butchering up a a uh, a hog, but they were uh, they were cutting up a dog. Oh my god! They were gonna eat him. Did you let him eat him? We ended up calling the cops. <laughs> was like some neighbor dog. I don't know. I was like twelve at the time, but I do remember he was like holding up a dog head. It's oh wild, gosh. dude. I was uh, when I was out mowing one a couple. This is about five or six years ago. I was out mowing, and I saw this white goose. Being oh, I'm sorry. It was not a white goose. It was a regular goose, which is why I didn't care so much. Um, this Asian dude was corralling him towards his garage, and just walked him all the way inside his house. And I asked the guy that was the neighbor, I was like, "Did you? Does he have like a pet goose or something?" He goes, "Oh no, they'll kill him and eat him." I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I would assume goose is greasy and disgusting. Mm. That's what I would assume. But, look but what they eat. that's what they do, though. But it's hey, like man. it's like that that scene in a Christmas story. Is that what is the, the Christmas, Christmas story? A Christmas story where the turkey they, yes. she overcooked the turkey and they go to the Chinese restaurant. Yes, it's a goose and he cuts off the head. That's exactly that's what I was imagining in my head. It must have been Christmas time. It had to been Christmas time. Not when I was out mowing. But but so let's go ahead and. Fitness in the fire service. What's your opinion about fitness in the fire service specifically? What's my opinion? My opinion as a whole is we lack it. Um, and what I mean by that is that I got into the fire service and thinking that there's a bunch of guys that are guys and girls that are super fit. Guys that you can look up to, which is, you know, in some cases there is. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys, you know, I'll just, I'll name call a couple of people like John Dean. That dude's, that dude's like fit as hell. Um, guy I mentioned earlier, George Boots, you know, older dude, super fit. Um, and that's what I'm imagining going into the fire services. There's a lot of fit dudes that I can learn a lot about <clears throat> lifting, Whatever my goals are, there's a guy out there that I can I can learn from, and I can you know, he's my guy that I'm gonna follow. But man, 
you quickly realize that that's not the case for the mo- for the most part. Yeah. There's a lot of guys um, that truly don't care. There's guys that are our age, younger than us, that have gotten themselves into these bad habits, and they just truly, from the outside looking in, they don't care. You know, and that to me is that's detrimental for not only for them but for your crew, for the citizens that we provide for. You know, I mean. To me, I hold fitness to a, a pretty pretty high standard in my life. You know, I'm, I'm pretty regimented. I eat pretty healthy. Um, am I perfect? No. But, you know, in moderation, of course, I'm going to have my 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 shitty food. Um, but that's something that I hold. Engine 71 just passed by. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's something that I hold pretty highly in my life, and that's what it yeah, – Oh, they're on a run right now. Uh, going into the fire service, that's what I expected. As it would be the the culture of most guys, and like I said, you know, just from our department and departments around us, I mean, it's it's not it's not yeah. the case. It's not something that has been placed in top priority for them. And but there's guys out there. To be fair, there's guys and girls out there that are just they're just bigger. They just always been bigger, you know. Uh, to name one of them is Brent Rockwell. The dude's a big dude. He's always he's always been a bigger guy. You go up and you you touch him like the dude's hard as a rock. Like in in most of his areas, just like you know, except for his stomach, obviously. Like you touch my stomach too, it's gonna have some bounce to it. But like the dudes are, you know, he's got muscle. He's got muscle. But you look at his family tree and they're all built like that. They're all just bigger people. Um, but you've got guys that are just fluffy. And you got guys that, and he works out too. Though Brent works out, uh, he try, he does try. Um, so he makes the attempt. But you got guys out here that just don't do anything. And there's even skinny fat guys, and I don't like mm. them either. Like it's just I, I, I see fitness as a completely different thing. I see it as a complete lifestyle change. Like for me, I'm in it every day. Like obviously, in these videos, I don't really put myself in the limelight of the camera to where it makes me look physically good. I don't personally care how I look on this. Look at Lila. She walked away. I personally don't care how I look in this. So uh, that's the reason why I don't look ginormous or anything. But, like, I hold myself to a standard in fitness, especially for the department as well. You you have to for what we do. You have to be the best shape that you're in. Not You don't have to be in the best shape your crew is in. You have to be the best shape you can be in. Because if you're holding your standard up to the guys that you're in your crew, you may be, let's say you're a six foot five and you're only doing what they're doing, you're definitely not living up to your potential. You could have a higher potential. I mean, genetically speaking, if you are somebody who's very gifted and you're five foot two and you're just living up to what everyone else is, it's, you're definitely not living up to your full potential. So fitness is, is something in the fire service that our leaders have not as a whole drilled into the heads of the younger guys because they never had it drilled into their head. Look at a lot of the older guys that are retiring. They just, well, I'm, I'm about to retire. I've got a couple years. I've got eight years left. I'm done. And they just let themselves go. I disagree with that. Like um, Steve Dillman. I always bring up Steve Dillman. The guy would still go up into the gym and try. Like he would go up there and walk on the treadmill. He would lift a little bit of weights. I mean, there'd be a lot of times where like, he wouldn't go because he's just obviously the guy was in his sixties at that time when he came back from retirement to come work on a part on a on a truck part time or an engine crew part time. So, but he was trying. He'd go and walk. He'd go outside and walk. Like he was always staying active and busy, and that's what it was part of his fitness regimen. 
And he would always even say, like, yeah, you just got to be fit, but you don't have to be the fittest. I'm just on that level where I want to be the fittest. I want to be the strongest guy. Am I the strongest guy? Probably not. Probably not the strongest, but I try. You know, I do my best to see where I'm at. Um, but there's, it's just, it hasn't been something that has been educated on for the guys. But let's say there's somebody out there that's trying to, like, who wants to get fit. What are some ways they can go about it? <clears throat> um, I, I think it's our job as guys who take it seriously to recognize in a an encouraging way. I mean, we can't be demeaning to them because that's not the right way to go about it with anything. Um, we we encourage these guys to help them reach their goals. You know, and at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, they have to want it. You know, because just like we said earlier, you can't you can lead a horse to a water, but you can't make them drink it. <laughs> Um, we, we as, uh, we as those guys have to, is everything all right? But, yeah. But, you're okay. just making weird faces. Um, we have to be there for them and we have to, uh, lead them in the right direction. I'm not saying I got all the answers because guess what? You know, the things that I don't have answers on, I'm looking to other guys and they're mm-hmm. teaching me, you know, and, uh, networking is extremely important absolutely. in this game. Networking is important in life. Like this, the amount of times that I've had to network or networking has been a benefit for me is almost every single day of my life, especially off duty. But even at work, if you network in my life, of my life and it's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and make some soup. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> have you not realized that I've had diarrhea <laughs> since Easter? <laughs> um, but you, but you network so much in this career field that you can't afford to be a dick to people. Like mm. if you talk down to others, if you are treating others with disrespect or like a bunch of beneath me's, like, I know I joke around about it. Like, I walk around, I'm like, you're all a bunch of beneath me. Like, I know I joke around about it, but it's just kidding around. But it's like, you need to network. Like, you need to build relationships. Even if you really don't like the guy or not, like the guy or gal, you still need to build a relationship with them because they can offer something at some point. It's not using them, but you're they have knowledge, too. They bring something to the table. Now, there are those on the department that you'll never talk to probably because the department's so big and you won't know everybody like uh, take Indianapolis. They have like what? 1900 people or 2200 firemen or something. They have an absurd amount of firemen. There's going to be guys on there that spend their entire career, never meeting a solid 500 of those people, maybe even more. So like you can't just go around and be like, Hey, I want to make friends with all these guys, but we're a smaller department. You know, we, we can network a little bit better because we're smaller. If you have guys having issues with, or having questions with stuff, you could definitely point them in the right direction. I I know for me, that's been a benefit for me. I've been able to point guys in the right directions because of just the friends that I've made. And it's not like tooting my own horn, look at who I am, but it's just like, just go out and talk to people. When you're sitting, when you're sitting at a restaurant, listen in on a conversation. Like I do that all the time. I just did that the other day. I did that the other day. Like, I was sitting at a restaurant and I heard the couple next to me talking about uh, New Orleans and Mardi Gras. I literally had just gotten back from Mardi Gras in New Orleans, literally the day before. 
two days before. So I heard that. I'm like, oh, wow, I was just there. Hey, were you guys talking about Mardi Gras? They're like, yeah. I was just, I just came back there two days ago. Oh my gosh, how was it? You just have a conversation with them. Like, it's just building that relationship and network, especially the people in your own city. Go out and talk to them. Like, go shopping in your own city that you work in or your town that you work in and then talk with the people that work there because they're, they're the ones that are also like, like they're going to see you. If you have a building alarm there, they're going to see your face. Do you want to go into a store and be an asshole to the server and then have to come in there the next day? Cause there's a building alarm going on and you see her as you're walking in. Like you, ha- you are a product that you have, to sell for the citizens, right? Like you, you have a product. The product's you. And I think, I think, <clears throat> I think that's something that guys <coughs> need to get more comfortable with. Um, my advice to guys that are uh, that are just getting into the fire service is get comfortable with talking to people outside of your circle. You know, um, man, I'm always going, and, and I've taken, it's taken me a lot to get used to this and get comfortable and you're with the most this. Awkward I am, I'm pretty awkward. You're so awkward. <clears throat> but, uh, it's cringeworthy. Man, if I, uh, <laughs> I'm always asking guys, especially, like I said, outside of my circle about things that are going on in my life. And I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, you know, give those guys at least some sort of credit, you know, to lead me in the right direction. And, you know, part of my success in my life is, you know, like I said, getting counsel from other guys and learning from people that are have done it before or have been in certain situations like this. You know, there's a guy I go to the gym uh, quite often, and I met him through you. His name's Casey Walls. Oh yeah. Anytime I have any sort of religious question or things going on, uh, you know, whether it be an argument I'm having with my wife or um, you name it, I'm going to this guy mm-hmm. and. You know, a lot of the times in which I really appreciate is the accountability. He's coming up to me and he's like, dude, you're being an idiot. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't have gone about it this way. Or, you know, why would you say that? Or, you know, he's just holding me accountable. You know, it's, he's bringing up things that I wouldn't even think of. So that's what I challenge people. And that's why I tell, you know, guys all the time, go talk to people outside of your circle and learn from these guys, guys or gals, you know. And not just anybody, good guys, respectable people. Respectable don't don't go to, don't go to people who, I hate to say, it, but don't go to you know like people who don't have a good opinion on life or don't have a good um, reputation. Go to guys who are generally pretty respected. I mean, you can see these guys the way they act, the way they talk, um, yeah. and they want to talk too. Right. Go to these people. And find that mentor, whether it be in the fire service or just in life in general. Have multiple mentors coming at you from all different angles that you can go to for anything. And I promise you, it will make your life better. 100%. Just learning and learning how to go through these things. Because guess what? They, they've done these things before. You know, why not? Yeah, a gangbang of mentors. <laughs> a real gangbang of mentors, per se. If uh, y'all are in a gang, right? <laughs> just say... Uh, a train of mentors, if you will. <laughs> like that one police girl. <laughs> the train department. <laughs> the train department. No, but I I've, I've, I, truly believe that that helps me personally yeah. with, you know, a lot of things that are going on in my life, you know, and that's what's helped me to keep a level head and work through these problems. So that's what I challenge other people to do. And if you're wondering how to network... If you're wondering how to do it, 
I would say that there is a great book out there. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's it's fantastic. I've read that book earlier this year, uh, just last month. I've used a lot of what it talks about in just daily conversation with a lot of people. The biggest thing I can tell you is that people love to talk about themselves. I could... If I need to, if I need to ask Ian a question, if I need to gain Ian's trust, I need to ask him questions about him. That's going to engage him in conversation with me, which is why I like podcasting. I just keep asking questions or you just keep asking questions and you're going to engage in conversation. It's going to turn into something, right? The conversation I just asked you, you know, what do you do for a living? Right. Uh, you're, tell me about your family. Hey, didn't you like, does this like, you really struggle when you do this? Or, you know, when you saw that patient that was really going downhill, did that affect you in this way? And you just sit there and talk about yourself, like make the, not make the person, but ask them questions that have, that pertains to them. Cause it'll make them feel like you really are interested in them. Even if you aren't interested in them, there's been plenty of times I'm not interested in talking to people, but there's always something you can learn from somebody. My mom taught me that you learn, you learn either what to do or what not to do. And I've done that. I've learned what to do and what not to do in public. And I've learned like outside of the fire service and then in the fire service, I've learned what to do and what not to do in all situations. So get someone to talk about themselves. And if you're going to go on a date with a girl, get her to talk about herself. Cause that's what women love to do. They talk about themselves all the time. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> it's just, that's what they want to do. And that's what most people want to do. Um, be encouraging to others. That's another thing too. If you meet somebody and they're, <sighs> I don't know. Do you really think so? I'm really, yeah, whatever. You don't want to be around that guy. Be the dude that's excited, upbeat, higher. Make your pitch of voice a little bit higher. Alex Martinez, make your <laughs> voice a little bit higher. Because like, if I sat here and I talked like this to somebody all the time, yeah, this is my radio voice, but it's only because like I get too loud and it messes up the mic and it sounds too bad on the audio. So yes, I have to lower it. I have to make it seem more monotoned because it's easier to do that on this. Cause if I start bringing it up like this, it gets really loud and on your end, it's going to sound bad. Like, so I keep it lower and it's, that's just what audio physically just sounds better. Um, but when you go up to somebody, start talking to them, Make your pitch a couple octaves higher, you know, like get excited when you're talking to someone, even if they're not matching your level, then you have to recognize they're not matching the level. Don't come up like screaming and yelling hot or, you know, high five. But like you pump somebody else up or they get excited talking to you. They're going to want to talk to you. Like I love talking to a couple friends of mine that are just, they're always hyped. They're always hyped up. So like whenever I go to see one of my buddies, you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly. You don't even have to say his name. Say his name. TB. TB. I call DB and I'm like, and he always answers the phone. What's up, big man? And I'm like, oh man, like, how's it going, buddy? And then he just it just cheers me up. He him answering the phone, and then it's always at the end of the conversation. He's always trying to encourage you with something. And he just sent me a text the other day or yesterday, dude. It was awesome. It was a great. It was awesome. He was encouraging me, saying you know all this great stuff. And it's like, man, that's that's how we should be for each other. You know, whenever I try to go out, I try to encourage somebody else because I know what it feels like for me. And, you know, I know that I, you know, I don't encourage you probably as much. Not at all. You don't deserve not, it. Not at You're all. You're just stupid. No. <laughs> but it's, we need to be that for each other. And we, there's a lot of guys that just put each other down. And I know that I put you down. 
Well, there's because you're a dog, there, as you know. <laughs> there's a difference between putting down and in a in a way that you know. Can you sit up? Because you're. <laughs> this is. I switched the camera over to you, and this is what it looks like. There's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference between putting down and actually trying to, you know, demean this person to for whatever reason to make yourself feel better. Yeah. And we, I know plenty of people that are like that, and typically those guys don't have a whole lot of clout. But yeah. uh, and there's also a difference between you know putting people down like we do each other. To, yeah. We and do, it's in yeah, a friendly yeah. way. I know. Yeah. I know you can say pretty much anything to me, and I know you're joking. There's guys that I don't really I I know, but I they don't truly know me, and they you know they can put whoever down, and um, I know that their intentions aren't aren't well. So yeah. what are you what are you doing? You know that's you're not you're not you're not doing anything for anybody. You know you're only putting people down to help yourself feel better for whatever yes. f- fucked up reason. And you that's know? another thing too is if but if but what if so now we got you know we might have somebody listening in that says well I've got a guy that's doing that in my life right now. What do I do to fix that? If you can't get out of that environment, like outside of the fire service, when you're at home, you can get out of that environment unless they are at your house. If they're at your house and then also at your firehouse as well, away, because I've had to deal with this before. Kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Be as nice as you can. Be as respectful as you can. Always look out for their best interest. They will always treat you like garbage. Don't turn around and be vindictive or vengeful back because it makes it worse in the long run. And then in the long run, when you look down 5, 10 years, 20 years down the road, you're going to regret doing it. You're going to want to take the high road. And the high road is not easy. It is not fun. You're going to be the only one doing it because the other party's not going to do it. But in the long run, it will be worth it. And others are always watching. Even if you're by yourself, somebody is watching. God is what God is watching. Now I said that in parentheses to be kind of joking, but yes, God is watching always, but someone's watching, whether it's the brand new cadet that just got, Mm. you know, voted in or, you know, applied in and he got, he got at the cadet program with a brand new rookie or it's the fire chief that just is walking in and he's seeing you talking trash about, the guy you work with always try to take the high ground. Don't, don't do the whole vengeful game. Cause that's just, you're going to cut out. He he's cutting your eye out. Don't go cutting his eye out now. Like that's just stupid. And that's one thing I've learned too, that <clears throat> people will remember the one bad thing. Yes. Way more often than they'll, they'll remember the 15 good things. Yes. So, and that's something I've had to learn too, that, Take the high road, because we all have these. We all have these issues. They come up in life all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be outside the fire service, inside the fire service. You can take the high road. It ain't worth it. Yeah. You know? Always just keep doing your job. So if you're facing that situation, sorry, I accidentally kicked the wrong button. If you face that situation, keep doing your job. Find extra things to do during the day. Try not to give them a reason to be a smart aleck to you. If they are, and you have to sit there and face them. Just try to be as respectful in responses as you can. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. They're telling you to do stupid stuff. Now, if it's things that are like borderline dangerous or harassment, if it gets to a point where it is harassment, then that does need to be filed. 
there's a, there's a point you do need some harassment, like, like not physical harassment. That's, that's my, in my head, physical harassment is too much verbal. You can do a little verbal because like you're, you're testing somebody. Like I, I verbally harass you like to test you a little bit, but like, I just call you an idiot and I tell you that you're stupid and worthless and that no one loves you. And it's true. <laughs> no, but it's like, you can tell when someone's joking, but like if, if it's getting to a point where it's, you know, I'm going to kill you like, bro, no, that's, you're not gonna. You're not taking personally. No, you haven't. Because you've been seen these guns. <laughs> oh, <exactly>. Ooh, boo! <laughs> I didn't see much on the camera in this angle. Look at uh, and then I put it on camera, and it was not. The camera does take off ten pounds. Oh, it does. I thought it. Added. It doesn't add ten pounds. It <laughs> takes off ten pounds. That's what. <laughs> Dude, I thought I was big until I flexed on this camera, and uh, I was like, "This is depressing." Like, I was like, "Oh, great! I look tiny." Yeah, let me uh, let me put my arm as close up to the camera as I possible. Look at that! Look at that! Look at that! <laughs> <laughs> <Poor> armpit stain. <laughs> if you're listening on audio, please don't <laughs> go to the the audio. If you're listening on I'm Spotify, by the way, on Spotify, I don't know if I said this yet. I might have said this on the other previous the first recording, recording, the first recording we did. Uh, but I my videos. My podcasts are actual now videos on Spotify, which I'm really excited about. So if you're on Spotify, if you have a Spotify account, uh, you click on any any of my newer episodes. I believe it's the last two episodes that I've done. Um, Jason Ramey's and uh, Greg Gerard's and obviously this one. They will, so this will be the third, uh, will be in uh, video and audio on Spotify. Really excited about that. But in, if you're in those situations, take the high road, you know. Be respectful. You don't always have to answer a question. If he's asking you something stupid, you could reply back with, I don't know, sir, or nothing at all. There's been times where somebody says something stupid to me, and if I'm thinking, like, oh, it doesn't pertain to my job, I just won't answer. I just walk away. Because I've got now a little bit more time where guys won't really say stupid shit to me because it's just, don't be stupid. Come on. We're grown men here. Um, you, you cannot respond. That's also another thing, too, as well. Um, <laughs> I was trying to catch you. <laughs> I had a double click. Um, so with, with there being so much exclusive exclusivity in the fire service, like the you versus me, they versus them, right? Us versus them mentality. How do you get guys to come together? Because obviously you guys have been doing it at the 91s. How do you guys get them to come together? Um, you mean like shift battles? Yeah. <clears throat> um, one thing that uh, when I was at the 91s, um, John Molnar was really good at this. Uh, the the challenges that he put together. The... Um, putting your pack on and going through times and guys getting in kind of doing the work together and a little bit of a competition. Well, not with, uh, <clears throat> not only just, uh, other people, but yourself. I mean, guys getting in the, getting in the work and doing it together. I think that brings people together. Mm-hmm. Um, doing stuff like that, doing trainings. Um, just like I said, getting in the work, doing it together and going through the grind together. I think that brings people together. 
Um, unfortunately, we don't have a shit ton of fires, but I think fires bring people together. You know, because you come back, you bust each other's balls. Oh, I can't believe you said this. I can't. You know, at the end of the day, you're all you're you're just building each other up. I also do think that uh, a little bit of prankage at the firehouse brings people together too. Um, whether that be throwing mop buckets on each other or <laughs> uh, throwing bedding on top of uh, on top of the uh, the barn outside or making each other's beds on top of Hatfield's truck. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. Um, that's the one thing I've learned in the fire service. There's a lot of person finding, that, finding golf balls, finding golf balls everywhere, everywhere in the fire uh, going to other people's houses and uh, flipping their <laughs> flipping their chairs or you name it, just doing stupid stuff like that. Make someone you take someone's bedding, take it off their bed, flip their bed so it's the bottom side of the mattress. Yes, and then remake and then it, remake the bed. <laughs> At the old threes, we used to put uh, Curtis Huffman's. Uh, <laughs> we used to put his bed in the shower. <laughs> his whole twin size bed. His whole twin shower. size bed in the shower, or we put the bed on top of the roof, or <laughs> you know, just stupid stuff like that. I think that brings each other together. You know, makes it a, a little bit less of a. Uh, not that I think this way, but it makes it a little bit less of a job and more of you know, yeah, more of a fun fun atmosphere. You got to have a little bit of that. You know, some pranks and. Uh, yeah. Uh, taking O2 tubing and putting it and hooking it in the back of the toilet. Right. So then when someone does a courtesy flush, you take the O2 tubing and you clip off a little bit of a piece, right? And you take the regular part that fits onto the actual bottle and you take that and you put it, and it fits perfectly onto the sprayer part where the water comes out to fill up the tank in the toilet. You take that, you take about a six inch piece, typically about a six inch piece, and you put the lid just in between that. So you have the lid right here, the lid sits on it. Just like that, right? The person's back. So when they give a courtesy flush, <laughs> it's a whole gallon and a half of water. That's just hilarious. <laughs> one, one prank that, that one prank that we did. <laughs> uh, we were up. It was uh, myself, uh, Matt Gates. Matt Gates is the biggest prankster I've ever met in my life, and uh, Gary Chives. So uh, we were up. We had like eighteen bags of popcorn, and <laughs> we. Uh, at the 91s, you've got uh, your pots and pans that are, like, hooked up on the wall. So the the face of the pot, whatever you want to call it, was hooked up on the wall. And uh, we fill it up with popcorn. So when the next guy would go to use it, he'd lift it up, and popcorn would just fall over. And that spiraled into, I think it was B-Shift. It was pretty funny. We walk into the firehouse, and you've got three fridges for each shift, obviously. And, dude, filled to the brim with popcorn. You couldn't get any more popcorn in there. They had uh, like saran wrap on on each uh, column of the uh, of the fridge so it wouldn't fall out. And they, I mean, just completely filled full. Our massive pull-out uh, freezer filled of popcorn. And see, I think you need that stuff at the firehouse. It, it, it's fun stuff. It uh, It's lighthearted and... Um, it's uh, it, it brings you together, whether it be a little bit of annoyance. It's it's fun. It's, it's all in good fun. It's it's the whole thing of sorry, I was scratching my eyes for a second, but it's a little bit of the thing is that you have such a stressful job, you need to decompress. Some people decompress in different ways. You know, um, do I do pranks? 
eh, not so much. I do more like immediate jokes right then and there. And I tell you it's a joke. Like I can't really, unless we're calling and asking for like, can you count all the sprinkler heads? You know, we need to make sure that the blueprints are saying 64. We're not really so sure. Can you, can you count the HVAC it? filters? Yeah, can, you, can you count how many filters there are and just how many that we have left? Um, stuff like that is just kind of funny stuff. And it's just, you know, busy work sometimes, but it's just also messing around. But you have such a stressful job at times where you really need to have some fun. And you, you don't want to always come into work and just remember like, oh, last day was a shitty day. You know, we had a couple of fatalities and we had a cardiac arrest and we just didn't, you know, it wasn't just a good day at all. You know, nothing good came out of last day. You need to decompress. That's the reason why the jokes can be so dark. You, that's the reason why a lot of the stuff, it's like you, the pranks are going. You got to crack some jokes like you got to have some fun, like you got to bring fun, fun to it. <laughs> And if you don't, where are you letting it out at? How are you letting it out? Are you letting it out in your family? Are you coming home and taking it out on your wife? Not physically or verbally. You're just, you're snapping. You're short, you're short fused with your family and your kids. How are you handling it? One of the ways that I like to handle stress is by playing video games, working out at the gym, I said one of the ways, I just gave you two. <laughs> um, a few of the ways that I like handling stress, working out, playing video games, going to the, uh, riding my motorcycle, shooting guns on a range. <laughs> um, not at a school. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, I got a joke about that. It's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, a buddy of mine owns property in Sandy Hook. Kentucky. It's an actual place. Sandy Hook, Kentucky. Actual place. Okay. Not the school. Right? Okay. I didn't even think about it. We loaded up our trucks full of guns and we were stopping at a gas station uh, before we headed out. And someone goes, What are you guys doing? I'm like, oh, we're going shooting. Like, where are you going? Sandy Hook. And they're like, <gasps> I'm like, they don't go shooting like <laughs> idiot that <laughs> we just walked out of there. That person thinks <laughs> that we were going to a school, but no, we're not. We were going to a private property in Sandy Hill, Kentucky. It was like 200 some acres. It's beautiful, uh, beautiful piece of land. And the place is called Sandy Hill, Kentucky. We go out there. There's a shooting range out there. It's a thousand yard range. They got a regular 50 to a hundred yard range. It's, it's a ton of fun. Um, but you got to find out what you do to de-stress. Another thing that I found out that's extremely Helpful if you are stressed out, have anxiety or depression, is jujitsu. I was extremely depressed last year uh, with what I had going on, and a friend of mine challenged me to go roll with him on the mats. Uh, and he he told me he's like, dude, it really helps me out when I'm anxious. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I loved it. I would love to do it more often, but like the way my schedule is right now, it's hard to get into there. What I need to do is just message somebody and just see if they can meet me there. But it has really helped me, and it's a good constructive way to release stress and just get your mind off of stuff. It's a great way to do it, but you got to find an outlet. You can't not have an outlet. I know that most of my audience is male, right? 96% male. And it's like, 
96% male, 2% female, 2% other. So whatever the others are, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining in and listening. I appreciate it. Um, but if you are married to a first responder, whether you're a guy or a girl, you need to help your significant other to find something constructive to do, whether it's building something in the garage, whether it's building a door, whether it's doing landscaping at the house, taking care of your yard, they need something, not drinking, not smoking cigarettes, not doing pills. I hate, I hate, I hate when someone directly straightly, directly straightly. I hate when someone for their first way of fixing something goes straight to pills when not trying anything else. You know, like, cause it's, I don't want them living on pills. Now, if they truly need them, they need them. Right. But try other outlets first, like healthy outlets. Right. Um, I, for me, I thought about going and getting prescribed medication for depression. I really thought about it. But then that's when he brought up the idea of like, Hey, try something natural first. Try something like jujitsu. I'm like, all right. So I did that and it really helped. I do ice water baths. I've been doing ice water baths for a year and two months, three months, a year and three months. I've been doing them and they've been, what color did you want the light? Red. Dude, I never, I never did get back with you on that. I'll change it. But finding something constructive, super helpful. Um, it's, it's crucial for our career. And that's why when you have like, you know, guys doing pranks at the firehouse, cracking jokes at the firehouse, sometimes it can be pretty harsh, but that's just part, it's part of it. Right. So, yeah. You go ahead. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's another thing. Uh, fix that real quick. Perfect. Right there. Beautiful. Um, <clears throat> that's one thing I've learned in the fire service too, is uh, a lot of... <clears throat> that matches you. There's a lot of stressors in the job. As great as it is, you know, you're going on these runs... Um, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, just to name one for example, we, we saw a fatality and we had to extricate somebody. There's people that go in a, throughout our lives that will never, ever see that. Civilians? Civilians. Yeah. You know, I've, uh, just to name a couple of runs, you know, that that run that we went on, um, this was a couple of years ago, that kid that our age shot himself in the head. Yep. You know, I mean, there's guys that will never, ever see that. And we, over the course of 20 years, I mean, we might not see it every day. We don't see it every day. But there's going to be these runs that are in our heads for the rest of our lives. And one thing that, you know, I, I have to, you know, kind of remind people of is that, you know, since we work in a community, we're not constantly traveling all over the place. Anytime you go past that house on a run, even out in the street, it's it's a constant reminder. Me and my uh, my crew would do this all the time. We'd be like, hey, you remember when we saw those those uh, dogs eating that, that guy? Or, hey, you remember when we... Uh, so the guy blew his head off or, you know, anytime we go past Warsville, which is all the time, we're going to be constantly remember seeing that guy's face, that, that 20 year old kid who died. Um, so just like you said, man, you have to have an outlet, you know, you have to be able to one, talk to people, you have to talk to people. And that's something that's been, you know, you have to drill into the guys, especially the older guys, you know, um, who were taught, you know, be a fucking man, you know, 
don't show any sort of weakness because, you know, guys won't follow you or you look at like as like as like a pussy. Truthfully, I personally think that you're a pussy if you don't say anything, you know, because that's just showing a massive insecurity that you have. And what are you doing? You're you're damaging not only yourself, but the people around you. You're in. It's just not good. You have to be able to talk to people, talk to again, like we said earlier, trusted people that you can, uh, you know, you can um, explain some of the things that are going on, some of the runs that you went on. Just, you know, I know I personally feel so much better if I got something on my mind, I just let it out. Just just say it. I instantly feel as if like a weight has been lifted off my chest. And it doesn't specifically have to be. It doesn't have to specifically be somebody at the firehouse. No. It could be someone at home. It could be a friend at the gym. Dude, there's a guy that I contact for a lot of things. He's never been a fireman before. And I call him when I got problems. He was the first person I called when I, I had that issue happen last year. He's he's my best friend. And whenever something happens, he's the first guy I call. Because it's just, he also knows how to bring me from here to here. Like, he knows how to calm me down just by saying a couple words, you know. And it doesn't have to be a fireman. It could be someone. In a, in a, and that's why I recommend a hobby. A hobby that has people around it. Um, if you're wondering what a couple hobbies that you could do, because I struggled, I mean, I honestly struggled to find some hobbies. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, if, uh, if you're looking for a hobby that if you're a single guy and you get to meet some women, uh, excuse me, go to a dance class, dance lessons. Like I take dance lessons. I do that. It's twice a month. I did do it twice a week. It gets expensive. Um, I do it twice a month. And I get to dance with a woman. It's very nice. I enjoy it. There's, it's all relaxed. It's, you know, it's a platonic thing. So like, she's not forced to dance with me, right? She works <laughs> there. <laughs> so I'm not going up to her. I'm like, would you like to dance? And then she's like, mm, sure. So she's instructing me, but then I'm learning how to lead in the dance. And, you know, I'm getting a hold of a girl's hand, you know, it's cool. Mm. Like I enjoy that kind of stuff. Does it happen to me often? Do I go to a, a place where they're like, oh, we're going to dance. I'm like, there's there's no places that I go that there's dancing, right? And there if there is dancing, it's the you know twerking and like twirling and stuff like that. It's not like legit dancing. It like twerking's <clears throat> a very basic maneuver that any trash girl can do, right? Learn some ballroom dancing. That's hard. Like you think it's easy. It's not easy. Like learning actual ballroom, and I enjoy it because it's like it's a lot more respectable, and I think it's more attractive. Like. If a girl knows how to carry herself like that, because they're more like flowy when they dance. And it's like, it's just, you're together. You're, you're, you're one piece dancing and the guy has to lead it. Right. Um, that's one great hobby. Uh, jujitsu is another fun one. Um, building something. I, I was building a motorcycle. It's been put on hold. Like it's, uh, pickleball is a fantastic hobby. Pick up tennis, you know, uh, ping pong. And what else is there? Um, I mean, there's so many things. Podcasting is a hobby. Podcasting is a hobby of mine. Like, I'm enjoying doing this. Uh, it's finding something to go out, mountain biking, hiking, rock climbing, like anything that you can do to be around people. And it, it's not the same group of people, right? Just because we're firemen doesn't mean we have to hang out with firemen at all times. Right? No. You, you have other life. You have, you have more of a life to live outside of the fire service. You have two-thirds of your life at home do something with it that absolutely and uh, one thing that's helped me a lot is challenging myself 
finding a channel, just like you said, uh, getting into the ice bath. Ain't nobody wants to get in the ice bath. Um, but that's why you should do but it. But that's you challenge yourself. It helps you to, to push yourself to get out of the, get into this stressful environment to get more comfortable with it. Um, well, the challenge that I've given myself is read one book a month. Yep. Um, I mean, it's a small challenge for some people who read <clears throat> read books all the time, but to me, that's huge. I've never read a book, truthfully. <laughs> I've never <laughs> I've never read a book, even Dude, though throughout I, high school I, I and did stuff. That la- I did that last month. I started. I said I'm going to read one book a month. Last month, I read five books. And see, that's me. I, I'm yeah. reading one book a month. Um, uh, so I'm good for five months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll catch up later. <laughs> um, go. Uh, Setting uh, fitness goals for yourself and challenging goals, not, you know, within reason, you know, you can't you yeah. be, you know, somebody who's never lifted before in their life. Be like, I'm going to lift. I'm going to bench 300 pounds. You or know, or be be like, I'm going to look like Chris Pomstead. Right. No, you're not. No. Set realistic, challenging goals for yourself yes. to be able to achieve. I think that's helped me out tremendously. And one thing that if, I, if you get anything out of this episode that I can harp on enough that I can provide is mentorship. Find a mentor. Find somebody who's been there and done that a respectable person and learn, 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 learn. And like I said, it doesn't have to be in the fire service. It could be outside the first fire service. It could be anything going on in life. Find multiple mentors that you can gather information from all different angles. That's something that has helped me out tremendously going through multiple aspects of my life. And that's, that's what I preach to people. Is that all you got? That's all I had. You don't want to talk about anything else? I don't think so. Not even the Superior Sport team? No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. All right, man. I really do appreciate you uh, taking the time and spending Two five and a half hours with me today. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, no. And it was unpaid. Six hours. Six hours? Yeah, because we started at one. Oh, we did, didn't yeah, we? I so thought it was already six o'clock. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I didn't get paid for this at all. It was the worst six hours of my life. Dude, I tell you what, I thought like I need a peer support team because I I hate myself because I'm with you right now. <laughs> I'll feel better as soon as you leave. <laughs> get out of my wait. House. Leave uh, the department or leave uh, your house <laughs> or both. <laughs> both. <laughs> no, I had fun, man. I appreciate you having me on. I enjoyed this, man. I had a ton of fun. Hopefully, uh, other guys take a lot out of this. I don't so, think there's going to be anybody there's nothing watching. Nobody's going to be watching. They're going to see. Nobody hardly watches this regardless. <laughs> <laughs> there's, they're going to see Matt Stempo with Ian Garrison. Who's that? <laughs> Wasn't he the guy that got caught pet, <laughs> being a peeping, peeping Tom? <laughs> <laughs> no, never been caught peeping Tom. <laughs> Wasn't that guy that's got those sweaty fucking armpits? <laughs> Dude, look at I me. Mean, look, look, oh look my at, god. Look at that. Look at that. Oh my gosh. This is so embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I was going to post this on Greenwood Shatter. They're going to see all this. Like, this is our fireman. Like, oh. No, it'd be perfect. So, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this. Over and out. <laughs> <laughs>